1: God would never ask any of us to do anything that He would not grant us His power to accomplish.
0: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's core truth. We're going to dip into
1: Exodus chapter 4. I've entitled this message, Excuses. Yes, unfortunately, we all make them. Don Wilder said this, quote, Excuses are the nails used to build a house of failure see, because we use excuses, we don't succeed. Well, I didn't go there. Well, it's because of the way I was raised, and I was raised on the wrong side of the tracks. So I, I didn't go to college. I didn't have this. You know, I've had these disadvantages. Stop with the excuses. Just move. Go do something. Well, as we continue in our study through the book of Exodus, we will pick up where we left off. As you remember, Moses had to flee out of Egypt. He was guilty of killing an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew slave. See, that was Moses' feeble attempt of delivering God's people from slavery in his own strength. So he had to flee to Midian. It was a place where the descendants of Abraham lived. He married a priest's daughter named Jethro, and the daughter's name was Zipporah, and he started a family. Moses became a shepherd of sheep. You know, there's a lot to be learned by tending sheep. David, the greatest king that Israel ever had, was a shepherd of sheep also, as you know. And as you also know, God likened us all to sheep. The Bible tells us in Psalm 100 verse 3, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We didn't evolve. Your great-great-grandfather's not a monkey, okay? He created us in his image. He goes on to say, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. But as you know, sheep are one of the dumbest animals on planet Earth, so it's not necessarily a compliment. Their IQ could be rated in single digits. Plus, sheep are instinctively fearful, afraid, and nervous by nature. And they have every right to be, for they have no real way of defending themselves. They are easy prey for predator animals, such as wolves. They're known to follow other sheep, even if the other sheep are leading them into danger. Plus, they seem to like to walk uphill and against the wind instead of downhill with the wind at their back. It's very hard to teach new things to a sheep. They are very habitual. No, we're just doing it this way. it's why we've always done it. And yes, again, God has likened all of humanity to sheep. Gee, I wonder why. Have you ever made the same mistake? over? and over again doing the same thing i mean sometimes as pastors you know people will come to us i can't believe i did this and fell into this hole and it's like didn't we talk about this like a year ago didn't that same thing happen to you before didn't we give you counsel on this same situation didn't didn't you do this same thing before hasn't this happened to you multiple times how many times you have to fall into the same hole before you stop walking down that street where that hole is See, so we do the same thing again, likened unto sheep. And now Moses has been a shepherd in the wilderness for 40 years, four decades in what we have tagged as UBSD, the university of the backside of the desert. Yes, I'm sure after dealing with sheep for all those 40 years, Moses was well aware of the character traits of sheep. I'm sure he understood their little nuances, you could say, all their different little mannerisms and all the quirkiness that they have in their distinctive oddities, you could say, along with the special attention that was needed to keep these sheep safe and not get hurt, how he could nourish them and keep them healthy. Some would say that Moses being in that wilderness for 40 long years was way too long. That he was now past his prime. Yet God, when his calling comes to us, it is never late. Nor is God ever early. God is always right on time. He obviously, you know, left Moses in the wilderness for 40 years for a reason. It took 40 years to get the 40 years of Moses living in the palace of Egypt out of his system. That's how long it took. I wonder how long it takes for God to work in our life to get a point through. It took 40 years for Moses. We saw how Moses reacted to a crazy thing that was happening right before his very eyes. Where in Exodus chapter 3 verse 2, there was a bush that was completely engulfed in the blazing flame of fire. That were blazing was, it was powerful. It was like, it's like a massive torch. It wasn't like a little bush over there with a the flame coming off of it. No, it was pfft, like standing back like, whoa, what is happening? It was like an inferno. But yet the bush was not being burned up at all. And Moses came closer looking at like, how can this even be? And that's when God spoke within the midst of the burning, blazing, inferno bush. And he spoke audibly and he said, Moses, Moses. And God told Moses to take off his sandal for the ground that he was walking on was holy. That's when God told Moses in Exodus 3, 7, I have surely seen with my eyes the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have given heed to their cry. I've heard their cry because of the taskmasters, and I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land, To a land that is flowing, that is spacious, and is flowing with milk and honey. Wow. Did you notice all that happened there? God had seen their afflictions. He had heard the cry of his people. God was aware of their suffering. I think there are times that we think God has forgotten us. That he doesn't hear our cries. He's not listening to me. He doesn't care about my suffering. That is simply not true. God in his infinite wisdom, his great love that he has for us, he allows us, listen, he allows us to endure hardship. Why? To mold and shape us into the men and women of God that he desires us to be. I wonder if hearing that, you're thinking, that makes no sense to me at all. You're telling me that God allows the hardship to happen in my life? You're telling me that he loves me and yet he's allowed me to walk through this valley of pain and anger and sorrow that I've had to endure? Yes. Listen to this quote. We learn through afflictions and trials what we will not learn through his loving kindness. Whoa. We learn through affliction and trials what we will not learn through his loving kindness. Meaning, God's trying to speak to us. We're not listening. He's trying to get our attention. We're not listening. I'm busy. I'm doing my thing. I'm making my way. I'm building my career. I'm doing my stuff. And it's like God is trying to minister to us through his loving kindness. We simply won't listen. So therefore, he has to get our attention. That's why the Bible says in Revelation 3.19, those whom the Lord loves, not those whom he hates, those whom the Lord loves, he reproves and he disciplines. Why? Because he loves us. And he says, therefore, repent and return to me. Be zealous, therefore, and repent, he says. Zealous means hurry up and repent so that you can be restored. God wants to get a hold of us, but we're not listening. So he has to get us to a place and a position where we will listen Do you have ears to hear what God has to say? Do you know so many times in Revelation when he's speaking to the end times churches, the seven churches that represent seven and a half billion people on planet Earth today? He always is saying, He or she who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. Sometimes when everything's going great and cruise control's on, we're not listening to God. But when hardship hits, we fall on our knees. Why? Now we're listening. But as we will see, God is not only going to deliver his people from the hand of slavery, but he's also going to give them a land that he describes himself as flowing with milk and honey. Yes, God's plan was to bless his people. And in verse 10, God tells Moses that he will send him to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. Could you imagine that? Think about that for just one second. God is personally going to ask you. He's talking to you through a blazing fire and an inferno that's And he's calling you to do an amazing job for him. How exciting would that be for you or for me? What a privilege. What incredible honor it would be. Yet, as we will see, Moses will do everything humanly possible to not go with what God wants him to do, to not accept this calling from God. Well, let's read. We'll pick up in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh with the king of the whole known earth? And that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Really? And God said, certainly I will be with you. Oh, wow, that's a caveat. (laughs) Uh, I'll be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt talking past tense, like after you bring them out, you shall worship God on this mountain. You're going to bring them right back here, right where you're seeing me right now. Verse 13, then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel and I will say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what happens when this happens? What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And, he's, and he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you, has sent me to you. Verse 15, God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this is my name forever. This is my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up And out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. And I'm sure any more ites that are out there. To a land flowing with milk and honey. Wow. That's a lot of text. Where do we even begin with this? Oh, there's so much there. It was a mouthful. Here we have Moses. He's in a full-blown conversation with God, a verbal conversation. Forty years earlier, Moses, remember, he had rushed out like an impetuous racehorse. Then he killed an Egyptian, and he was trying to deliver God's people in his own strength, and he got himself driven out of Egypt. Now, after tending sheep in the wilderness for 40 years, Moses went from a, 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 just an impetuous racehorse to a stubborn mule. Oh, okay. As he argues with God, with his excuse rant filled here, as he states, well, who am I? Look who you're talking to here. I'm just an old man tending my little sheep. And he was right. At this point, all of Moses' fame and fortune was gone. Now, he was just nothing more than a lonely old shepherd in the desert of Midian. But notice how God quickly responded to his excuse in verse 12. Certainly, I will be with you. Oh, does that not change everything? Oh, yeah, you might just be an old man but I will be with you. Wow! I mean, what could anyone ever say to that? For if God is with any of us, does it really matter what we think about ourselves? Does it really matter what anyone else could ever think about you or me? I mean, what a word of great encouragement that is to each and every one of us today. For God would never ask any of us to do anything that he would not grant us his power to accomplish. So every day, So every time that little tug happens on your heart, God says, go speak to that person. You're like, I will be with you. We're told in Philippians 4.13 that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We're told in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are adequate in ourselves as thinking of anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from him. So God's Lord is like, you don't have any adequacy in yourself. I will be your adequacy. I love that verse in Isaiah 41, 10. Do not fear. Boy, we could take that all over the city here, couldn't we? Do not fear the rising crime. Do not fear COVID. Do not fear all the social unrest. He says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Wow, is that not encouraging? Is that not worth flipping over to Isaiah 41.10? Is that not worth underlining that? Is that not worth buying some LED lights and putting it around there? Fling, fling, fling. That's a great verse. It's true. So if that is true, why then are we, you and me, so unwilling then to share with others? Why are we so unwilling? For it's not about us. It's about us allowing the Holy Spirit of God to use us, to fill us with his strength, to use us in our daily lives, to touch those that are around us. Why again? Because God loves humanity. He desires to forgive us of our sin that separates us from him, to cleanse us of our guilt and our shame, God also desires to give hope to the hopeless in and through us. He desires to use us to bring peace to those who have no rest in their soul in this world that is sliding farther and farther into chaos. Do you not see any chaos? Had you not watched the news? Hey, here you want an antidepressant? Don't watch the news. Because watching the news can depress you. Yes, in the midst of all the social unrest, in the midst of rising crime, and the most radical inflation that we've seen in the last 40 years. Everything is off the hinges right now. We as Christians, in the midst of this, still have a message of hope to share with the world that's gripped with fear and uncertainty. I like what Charles Stanley said. He said this quote, God's plan for enlarging his kingdom is so simple. One person telling another person about the Savior. Yet, most Christians are too busy. We're full of excuses. Just remember, someone's eternal destiny is at stake. The joy you'll have when you meet that person in heaven will far exceed any discomfort you felt in sharing the gospel, in quotes. What he's saying is that there could be a day in heaven 5,000 years from now that you get a tap on the shoulder. You turn around like, hello, do you remember me? "Uh, Mom, wait, were you that guy I was talking to in Santa Monica uh, down on the Strand? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were laughing at me. Yeah, I did. I did. I laughed at you. I said, you're a Christian nutcase, and you need to shut up and get out of my face. Yeah, that's exactly what you said. But you gave me one of your tracks, and I'm like, yeah, what is this? And I put it in my back pocket. I read it when I got home. I gave my life to Christ, and I'm here because of that. It's like, see, you just don't know how it goes. Sometimes when the Lord tugs on our heart, it's because someone is open and you don't realize that they don't look like they're open. Like I was following this guy on the way to church this morning. He's in a brand new Rolls Royce, had the new little plastic or paper plate on there, you know, and he's driving his Rolls Royce like, like somebody owned it, you know, which was him. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking like, gee, I wonder what his life is like. Obviously, he's got, a, he's got material wealth, but I wonder if he's a miserable person, or I wonder if he's happy. I wonder where he's at. I was just wondering about this guy. And like, you can look at someone and say, oh, that guy, man, they got it all together, or that girl, she's got it all together, or whatever, and you don't know that they're a broken little kid inside. You don't know that behind the facade of success, there's a broken person there. See, you don't know that. So God might tug on your heart to go talk to them. And their response could be very militant, like, get out of my face. You're a Jesus freak. I want to talk to you. And then it's like, yeah, well, I just want you to know that God loves you. It's like, yeah, well, shut up. It's like, okay. (laughs) Okay. But what you don't realize is the Holy Spirit of God was like a dagger in the heart. There's a God that loves you. He knows everything about you. And you don't know how that might have been a seed that planted in their heart that a year later they end up giving their life to Christ. See, you don't know that. You don't know. you. It doesn't matter whatever the response is of that person. What matters is God asked you to go talk to that person. That's what matters. Did you say yes or no? No. <laughs> no. I don't know what to say. And see, so all that matters is, what did you do? That's what matters. But all of the encouragement that God gave to Moses, like us, many times, went in one ear and right out the other. As Moses goes right into excuse number two. Excuse number one was what? Who am I? I'm just, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I say. Okay, so now we got excuse number two. Well, If I was to go to the children of Israel, which I'm not saying that I'm going to. Okay, I'm just, let's lay that down. Who would I say sent me anyway? Who do I say sent me? Because obviously I am here in a conversation with a bush that's in a total inferno, blazing fire, yet the bush isn't being burned up. And they're going to say, Moses, Moses, We believe that you were not only talking to a burning bush, but you were smoking the burning bush. Okay, so so they're not going to listen to me here. So Moses asked God in verse 13, who should I say sent me? And in verse 14, God said, I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. God points to his own self-existence. I am. He points to his own eternal position. I am. I am the one. I am everything. The only one who will always be here. He is the same. And the only God that has existed from eternity past and will be here for eternity in the future.
0: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to Pastor and Bible Teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also get via our app, And online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034.